You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Take your Bibles this morning, if you got them, to Luke chapter 24. Well, I've enjoyed the music, this, uh, the, the extra specials from the choir. Man, everything's been great. Thank you so much to those who prepared and worked on all that. And thank you for being here today on Easter Sunday. I love everything about Easter, and I'm glad that you're here. I love the spiritual things, of, of course. I mean, that's the, that's the primary focus But can I just get a witness on those Reese's Easter eggs real quick? I mean, those things should be illegal. They are so, so, and they're not just the normal Reese's, the Easter, if you've never had a Reese's Easter egg, that's what you came to church to hear today, all right? That piece of advice was what you needed today. But no, I'm just playing about that, but we're so glad that you're here. Luke chapter 24, uh, I want to just uh, speak for just a, a little bit here, not, not long, I'm not a lengthy preacher, but, uh, and, and give you some thoughts here about the resurrection, and again, thank you for being here. We have for every visitor, every guest, on your way out, there's a table right outside the doors there, and uh, we have a gift bag for you to say thank you for being our guest at Gethsemane Baptist Church today, and uh, we are honored that you're here. I will be out in the foyer after church. I know many of you may have plans, but if you could stick around, I'd just love to meet you if you're a guest, and uh, lots of guests here today, so thank you again. I'd just like to shake your hand and get to, and get to know you and hear your name, and, and thank you for being here. Luke chapter number 24, uh, if you look down, I want to read a little bit of the resurrection story. And then I want to talk about about Jesus on the cross for a minute as well. Luke chapter 24, here's what the Bible says about the resurrection of Jesus, how it went down. Of course, you can find this in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what we would call the Gospels, and uh, and just the stories there of Jesus that begin the New Testament. And it says this in Luke chapter 24, verse number 1. Now, upon the first day of the week, which is Sunday, very early in the morning... They came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. So they're coming to the tomb of Jesus to anoint him with spices, which was an old uh, custom there just for the, for the body's sake. And so he wasn't buried in the ground. He was put in a tomb, which was basically like a, 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 in, inside of a rocky hill. They had carved a room, and they would rolled a big stone in front of it when he was there. Verse 2, and they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher big stone, heavy stone, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, why, so these angels, two men with shining garments, are speaking to these folks at the tomb now, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man, that's Jesus, must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And they went back and told the other disciples and other people what had happened. People start coming to the tomb to see where Jesus' body was. They get to the tomb. They go in and they see his grave clothes there, but he's no longer there. 
and he had risen from the dead. I'd like to pray with you and just jump into the, to the message this morning. Father, we thank you for what we've heard already in church. We thank you for uh, our visitors, our guests with us today. Lord, we're so honored that they're here. We thank you for our regular attenders and folks that have been out, but they're back in. And Lord, we're just thankful that uh, you've brought people here today. I pray now, Lord, as we get towards the close of our service and we're hearing the message Uh, Lord, the most important part of this whole service is the Word of God being uh, uh, spoken and preached to the people today. So may we have open hearts and open ears ready to hear from you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Why did there need to be a resurrection? Well, obviously because there was a death. Jesus had died on the cross. He said he would come back. He isn't dead forever. He is alive forevermore. And because he said he would come back... He did, and I'm glad he did. I'm glad Jesus does what he says he will do. I'm glad Jesus fulfills his promises. It's hard to find people nowadays and and, and corporations and companies, anybody that fulfills their promises, but Jesus always does. If he made you a promise yesterday, you can bank on it today. If he made you a promise in the Bible, you can count on it today. But the other reason there's a resurrection, because the Bible says if Jesus did not rise again, the Bible says our faith is in vain. Our faith is in vain. If he could not rise from the dead, how could he give us a resurrection one day? How could he save us from our sin? How could he keep us saved? So for Christians, the the resurrection, today, we we love Christmas, right? We love Christmas besides the gifts. We love it because it's the birth of Christ. We celebrate that. But the resurrection is the pivotal point of history. Everything changed. It is the turning point of history. It's about new life, and that's why we're celebrating it. There is a story in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation slowly unfolding throughout history and throughout the pages of Scripture. The entire story of this book that we have here today. If you say, Pastor, how could you summarize what the Bible is about? I would summarize it about like this. Jesus. And his salvation, that's the whole message. Jesus and his salvation. From Genesis to Revelation, this book is talking about Jesus and his salvation. That's the message he wants to get across. It's the most important message. You've probably heard the term gospel before. We say things like, that's the gospel truth, or, or we ought to preach the gospel. What's gospel? It's a word that means good news. But what's the good news? The good news, the Bible tells us, is that Jesus died, was buried, but rose again the third day. That is what the gospel is. So today, if you believe the gospel, that's wonderful, because that's the most important message in the world. The reason there was a resurrection is also because there was a cross. In fact, there were three crosses that day. And I want to look at those three crosses for a minute. Now, we have our our screen graphic here. On the left side, you see those three crosses there. The Bible tells us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that Jesus was crucified in the midst of two people, in the middle of two people. If you have a Bible and you're in the book of Luke, we were just in chapter 24. If you look back at chapter 23, I want to show you just a couple things about these three crosses this morning. I want to preach about the man in the middle, the man in the middle. Jesus was in the middle. But you know what? There were two people crucified with him. And and, and it's so interesting to me that there's this juxtaposition between these two men on the cross. And I will tell you that, that they symbolize every person in this room. 
You are either one or the other. You believe like one or you believe like the other. Everybody falls into the category this morning, so we're going to look at it. Look at Luke chapter 23. If you have it, if not, just listen carefully. Verse 32 says this. And there were all, and this is in the middle of the crucifixion, and there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. So two other people who were called, and Jesus wasn't a malefactor, but they were called malefactors. We don't use that word. What's a malefactor? It's a criminal. It's an evildoer. And so these criminals were being, uh, were, uh, being crucified with Jesus, verse 33. And then when they were come to, to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and one on the left. Now, from the other passage of Scripture, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, the other passages there, and John, we know that these two men were thieves, thieves that were being crucified. Jesus in the middle, one thief on the right hand, one thief on the left. One criminal on one side, one criminal on the other. Reminds me very much of going on car rides when I was a kid. I was the youngest of, I am the youngest of three. I have an older brother and an older sister. And everywhere we went in the back of my parents' car, there, I was in the middle. I was in the middle. I'm by far the biggest in my family. No one cracks 5'9 in my family till I'm 6'2. And, uh, and they're all small. And I don't even know if I'm really part of that family, to be honest with you. But no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, they, but every time we would go somewhere, and some of you middle, uh, younger kids, you know you get the worst seat. And so they'd stick me in the middle. And there I was, this per- it, just, it just reminds me so much of this story, you know, the, me the perfect angel in the middle, and a criminal on my right, and a criminal on my left, my brother and sister, and uh, you know, that just reminds me so much of that story there in the Bible here. But that's Jesus in the middle, and I don't mean to be irreverent comparing myself to Jesus, there was a joke. But look if you would at verse number 39. And one of the malefactors, one of the criminals, which were hanged, railed on him. What's that mean to rail? It means to insult him. Can you imagine? Here's this guy being crucified, the most excruciating form of torture that's ever been invented. And on the cross, he's insulting Jesus, who he didn't even know. He's harshly criticizing him, saying, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other... The other criminal, answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, he said, Don't you you know who this is in the middle here? Don't you fear God? Don't you understand that we're condemned right now? We're, We're dying, we're suffering. And this guy, he didn't do anything, but we deserve it. Verse 41, and we indeed justly, hey, this is justice what we're getting. For we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss, nothing wrong. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, well, you got to get baptized, buddy. We got to make sure you live a good life, buddy. No, he says, verily, truly, I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Why did Jesus say, you're going to be with me in heaven? Why did he say that? Because this guy was such a good guy? He was a criminal. It was something that that man did that Jesus said, now you're going to be with me in paradise. We're going to talk about that. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. 
So what are we talking about here with these two men on the cross? And I want you to see today, here's the man in the middle, here's Jesus, but there was someone on this side, we don't know his name, and there was someone on this side, we don't know his name, but we know some things about him. Stay with me for just a few minutes this morning. Number one, I want you to see that they both committed the same crimes. They both committed the same crimes. Say, what do you mean? They were both thieves, the Bible said. They both had committed crimes. They both at some point had, had a trial. Now, if we know the Bible, we know that Jesus' trial was a joke because he never did anything wrong. But yet they still, they just wanted to kill him, so they framed him. They had people come in and say, oh yeah, I heard him say that. I heard him say this. And eventually, they just found a reason to crucify him because there was no reason. But these two men probably did have a trial, and one of them says, and we deserved it. Now, I'm glad that in America, if you go down to the store and you steal something, they're not like, crucify him. I'm glad, right? Aren't you glad driving on the 91, you don't see crosses on the side? I'm gl- that, that's kind of extreme. But in the Roman civilization, you go back in history, you find that's what they did. And so these two men committed the same crimes. They were both tried and condemned. Have you ever broken the law? Some of you are like, got real still. What does he know? I know it all, buddy. No, I don't know. Look, let's be honest. Yes, we've broken the law, okay? Say, don't get all sanctimonious all of a sudden. Oh, pastor, you've sped in your car before. You know you have, all right? you've, You've done a California rolling stop at the stop sign. It's named after us. You've done it before. All right, don't tell Emiliano. He's our police officer. Don't, don't, don't tell people, okay? But, but you've done it before. We've committed. And, and maybe you're not like, yeah, pastor, you're right. I've killed 17 people. Maybe that's not you, hopefully. But, you know, we've all committed some crime. We, we've committed crime. We say this phrase a lot. You know, sometimes you've heard people say, if you do the crime, you've got to do the time. What is that saying? That's saying we want justice. Our society right now is crying out for justice. We want justice. Justice is, in our minds, is a fair thing. We want justice in every aspect, except when it comes to us. Because, you see, here's the thing. When people commit crimes against us, naturally we want justice. And I agree with that. We, We may not want them to be crucified, but we want punishment. But you know what the startling reality of the Bible says that we are all lawbreakers? We're all lawbreakers. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. Everybody has sinned. Everybody has broken God's law. Everybody has done something wrong. No one escapes it. For all have sinned. It's that simple. We've all done something wrong. If somebody could could get into your mind and, and see your life play on a video and see every thought you've had and everything you've done secretly and every word you've said and every thought you've had, and said, you know what, I'm going to find a way to, to play that in front of the whole world. Man, no one would want their video played. We've all done wrong things. We've all done things we regret. We've all sinned before. We've all committed the same crime. And that is to break God's law. You may not have committed the same crimes as in you haven't done the same things other people have done, but we're all guilty. So you see, we're all in the same boat of these two. But secondly, I want you to see they both face the same condemnation. The Bible says there, the man on the, on the cross said, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? They've been condemned to death. They're in the same boat, so to speak. They were both tried, convicted, and condemned to death by crucifixion. 
You know, the Bible tells us that because of our sin, we're condemned. We're, we have to pay the payment for our sin. <clears throat> John 3, 16, of course, one of the most, probably the most famous verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But you know what, two verses later, two verses later it says this in John 3, 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The Bible in Romans puts it like this, for the wages of sin is death. Now, a wage is a payment. What you get, what you have to pay for sin is death. I don't know anybody a thousand years old. Why? Because we have to pay for the sin in our life. There's going to be death one day. But here's the thing about that. Because God is just, sin has to be paid for. And when we die, if we do not have our sin covered and paid for, then we have to pay for it. The Bible calls it the second death, and it's a place called hell. A lot of, a lot of religions, uh, a lot of false teachers out there will tell you that hell is not real. But can I tell you, as someone that's personal job is to study this book every day, that hell absolutely is real? Jesus preached more about hell than he did heaven. It's real. It's a real place. And, the, and, and why is it there? Because God wants to, no, God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. God doesn't want anybody, but because of sin, it has to be paid for somewhere, and that's why God, that's why that place exists. Our bodies die, but, but sin still has to be paid for. Now, I like verse 41 in the scripture we just read. The thief on the cross said, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. What's that mean? That means one of the thieves on the cross recognized that he deserved what was happening? You know, I, I think one of the biggest hindrances of people coming to Christ is that they don't think they need him. They think, well, I'll just add Jesus on to the belief system I already have. And, you know, it, it's almost like, you know, I'll pray to this God and this God and this God, and I'll just add Jesus in, you know, just to make sure. And we don't realize that our natural, no one, no one, no one, I could show you verse after verse after verse of Scripture, that there is no one that can earn their way to heaven through good works. It is impossible to do that. God's not up in heaven saying, oh, this is a good guy. That's not a good guy. And, uh, you know, if you just do one more good thing, then you get to go. No, it is so much more simpler than any of that. It is not by your works of righteousness. It is not according to what you can do that gets you to heaven. That is a big lie that we see out there today. And these, one of these men realized, hey, I deserve this. They were both headed to the same punishment. They both had the same condemnation. Both committed the same crimes. The Bible, though, gives good news. I don't want to just stand up here and give you bad news. It's Easter. I want to give you good news. You ever go to a doctor and he says... I got good news and bad news. Which do you want first? I only want the good news, right? That's what we want, but, but you always probably would say, give me the bad news first. But you know what? I'm glad that they're willing to give you the bad news. I went to a doctor several years ago, probably five, six years ago. I had a cold that would not go away. And uh, I thought it may be the flu. It just, just lasted for, you know, I, it, I, it was five years ago. I probably had COVID, you know? You know, you know those people? 
like they had COVID like a year before it came out. You ever, you ever meet those people? Yeah, I think I had COVID like a year ago. You, no, you didn't, all right, but, you, but we say that. Anyway, it wasn't really COVID, I'm just kidding. But like five years ago, I go to the doctor, and he was, and I don't go to him anymore, you'll see why. He had, a, he had an iPad, and everything I told him, he was just typing into his iPad. And I was thinking, is this guy on WebMD right now? Could I do what he's doing? What's your symptoms? Oh, how do you spell that? You know, like, what, what is this guy doing? I had a cold for a couple of weeks, and I go in, and I said, Doc, you know, uh, he said, well, let's do some blood tests. I said, okay, let's do some blood tests. We're waiting on the blood tests, and I said, so uh, just initial reaction, what do you think it could be? Here's what he said to me. Tell me how you would take this. You went in for a fact that a cold wasn't going away. He goes, well, it could be Hodgkin's lymphoma. Could be uh, leukemia or AIDS. Um, and then he listed like three others. I'm like, that's a pretty wide avenue there. Like, it could also be a cold. But he, like, he, he went from A to Z so fast. He went from, like, yeah, you're feeling sick, leukemia. Like, he went there really too quick. And I'm like, excuse me? Did you just say leukemia? Did you just say Hodgkin's lymphoma? Yeah, it could be, could be. You know what it was? I had a cold. I did not go back to that doctor because he was all bad, all bad news. Maybe he was like trying to give me super bad news so he could be like, good news, it's just a cold. I don't know, like maybe he just needed that like, you know, for his cell. I, I, I did not go back to that doctor. But I want to tell you that, that God in the Bible does not shy away from telling you the bad news. The bad news is we deserve to pay for our own sin. That's fair. That's just. But the good news is that we don't have to. The Bible says that the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The life-changing news and the message that Jesus came to, to share was that your sin has to be paid for, but Jesus stepped in. That middle man on the cross was not there to pay for his sin. He was God in the flesh. He could have stopped it at any time, but he said, I am here to pay for your sin. Because not only is God just, but he is love. And so he steps in and he says, I'm going to pay for your sin for you. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to go to hell forever. You can be in heaven forever with the, with the saints of God and with Jesus and family. And he did that for us. So the last thing I want to share with you this morning is, not only did these men, they both committed the same crimes, they both faced condemnation, but thirdly, they both had the same opportunity to make the same choice. They both had the opportunity to make the same choice. What, what these guys, what one of them at least didn't realize, was that Jesus was there paying for their sin. And they were paying for it too. Jesus had no sin to pay for. The, he, he, he was on the cross to pay for their sin, to pay for my sin, to pay for you sin. And you may say, well, I didn't ask him to. Well, he did anyway because he loves you. Romans 5, 8, the Bible says, but God commendeth, God demonstrated his love toward us. <clears throat> How did God demonstrate his love? In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even though we had sinned, Jesus died for me and you. Now, here's what these two men represent, and here's the crux of the whole message. This man on the right, this man on the left of Jesus, 
these two men symbolize two choices. Two cho- you, you, you are going to make one or the other choice. One man on, on, on the side of Jesus rejected him. One man rejected and insulted and said, hey, you can save people, why don't you save yourself and get us out of this? One person rejected. The other guy on the other side accepted. You will either reject or accept. Well, I'm going to be in the middle. Then you have chosen to reject. You either reject or accept Christ. You see, every religion in this world People think all religion is the same. Not all religion is the same. What separates Christianity from every religion is this. The word do and the word done. Every other religion will tell you there is something you must do in order to go to heaven. You have to, be, you have to do good works. You have to be a good boy. You have to do right in order to earn your way to heaven. You have to go pray. You have to go to church. You have to do something to go to heaven. That's not what the Bible says. The other side says that all the work necessary for you to go to heaven has been done. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't say, it's almost done. He said, it is finished. What's finished? The work in order to get you to heaven. So you see, here you are in the middle. You can can either reject him and say, I'll try to get there myself, thank you very much. And you never will, because that other thief is still paying. Or you can be like the other man who says, you know what? I recognize that I fully deserve what I'm getting, but I'm asking you, Jesus, remember me when thou comest thy kingdom. In other words, hey, Lord, I'm, I'm trusting in you and believing in you for who you say you are, and I'm accepting you. That's, it. That's the only two options you have. Let's not make it complicated. It's one of the two. I don't know how many of you remember this, but when I was a kid uh, uh, in the 80s, I loved Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I was Indiana Jones when I was five years old. I mean, like, I was grabbing anything I could to have, have a whip, you know, I was ready to get the scar. If you've never seen the movie, like, none of this is gonna, it's all going to be lost on you. Say, so where is this in the Bible? In, in the back, in the index. You've got to look there, okay? But uh, I remember in that movie, one of the greatest scenes is when they find the, the Holy Grail, you know, at the end. He finds this, this, this cup that's supposed to give him everlasting life or whatever. And one guy walks in, and he chooses the gaudy, you know, uh, rich-looking one and drinks it. And the guy says, he chose poorly. You've never seen it. I'm, I'm, I'm spo- I should have said spoiler alert. It's too late. And then, of course, Indiana Jones drinks from the, the humble carpenter cup, and he chose wisely. I can't help but think about the choice that is laid before you and me today and think, man, I don't want to choose poorly. I want to choose wisely. The wise thing is to trust in Jesus as your Savior. You don't have to do anything. Now, if Jesus does move in and save you, you will want to do stuff for him. You'll be grateful because you'll remember that you were like the, the thief over here about to pay for your own sin. And Jesus steps in and pays for it. And there will be a gratitude that says, hey, I want to live for him now. You may ask, well, pastor, here I am and I'm in the middle and I don't know if I'm going to reject or accept. How do I even accept? I'll tell you this. It's not just a prayer. 
It's not magic words. There's no magical words to pray. It's not just knowing the facts that I have shared with you today. It's not just adding Jesus to a long list of beliefs about spiritual things. The Bible says that if you want forgiveness and you want your sins to be cleansed and you want the weight of sin off your shoulders and you want Jesus to be your personal Savior and you want to go to heaven and you want to be saved, then you have to just simply believe and accept Him. The Bible uses the word repent. What's repent mean? It's a change of mind. It's to go from thinking like this guy to thinking like this guy. That's repentance. To go from being like, man, Jesus, who needs you? If you're really who you say, I want you to save us. I don't even deserve to be here. It's to go to the other guy and say, you know what? No, I absolutely deserve. I've not been a horrible person in life, but I am a sinner. I've done wrong. I deserve to pay for it, Jesus, and I want you. I want Christ. That's repentance. And then the Bible says you believe and receive. I have a verse to show you, a couple verses, and we're done. If you're looking at the screen, Romans chapter 10. Here's here's how God says you can accept him. Here's how God says you can go from being lost to being found. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. You know, we sing that song, I once was uh, uh, lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. How do you get changed? The Bible says, if thou, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever, anybody, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. These men were both criminals. They were both condemned They both had a choice, and they both had a chance. But only one of them left as a Christian that day. Only one of them is with Jesus in heaven right now. And I wonder today, how will you leave? Will you leave here today still mocking Jesus? If if you happened, probably not you. You're probably not mocking him, but, but maybe you've never accepted him. And you may say, well, you know, I believe in Jesus, and... But have you ever personally prayed and accepted him once and for all? I was born in Arkansas in 1984. In 1991, when I was six, I grew up in a Christian, and my mom was Christian, my dad was not, but they put me in a Christian school for a little while, and I heard the gospel message, which I shared to you today. And I remember as a six-year-old, 32 years ago, feeling like, man, I... I am so scared of dying and going to hell. No one was preaching on it. God was just working on me, and he was drawing me. And I remember as a six-year-old going to my bedroom, asking my mom to show me from the Bible, and she knelt down beside my bed with me. And I remember, I can still remember it, praying and asking Jesus. I, I became this guy saying, I know I deserve it, but I want the forgiveness, and I want to go to heaven, and I want Jesus. And because of that, I, I, I can still, people may doubt that, I can still remember the feeling of the guilt of my sin being lifted off me. I felt like I could fly. I didn't see anything magical, you know, no angels or, or, or visible, nothing like that. But I remember I jumped up off my knees, wiped the tears away. My dad, who was not a believer at the time, was sitting in the living room, big, strong man, 
I ran in there and jumped on his lap and said, Dad, I just got saved. And he was awkwardly patting my back. Okay, okay. And I said, when are you going to get saved? And I just began to cry. Because it just hit me that now I'm going to heaven. I want my dad to go. Later on, my dad did get saved. My dad does go to church. My dad, you know, is, is in church now. But I tell you this, today if you're here, you may have been in church your whole life. You may have felt like you've lived what you would consider to be a good life. But today, every person is either rejecting or has accepted. And if you're here and you're not sure which category you're in, the main purpose of my message is to help you to know how you can choose to be this guy that says, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know that if I died right now, I'd have to pay for my sins in a place called hell, and it's not a party, and I don't want to go there. I want to go to heaven. I want you to be my savior. I am choosing Jesus. And if you'd like to do that today, you fully understand that. And I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a second. We're going to pray in just a moment. And I'm going to just give you some instructions. That if you'd like to pray and ask Jesus to be your Savior, you could do that today. We won't make you come forward and give a speech. We won't make you do anything. You can do it right in your heart. As long as you believe and are willing to say, I need him and I want him today. Father, I thank you for the message of Scripture I thank you for the whole truth of the gospel that though we deserve to pay for our sins, you stepped in 